Welcome back to When Life Gives You Melon, the podcast for the dyslexic community. We're your host, I'm Reed, and over there... I'm Drew. And today we're going to talk about memory. So a lot of people have issues with memory in general, but it is something that definitely plagues the neurodiverse community, both dyslexics and non-dyslexics. So I think it's really relevant to talk about what's the issue we're seeing with memory. A lot of parents will just say, my kid has a really poor memory, but it's not their actual blanketed memory because memory has a ton involved in it. Case in point, here are a couple of different types of memory. There's episodic memory, which is the storing of events that have been relatively recent in the past. Things like attending a birthday party last week and things like that. It's, you know, a story in your head, your episodic memory. I like the episodic story. Yeah, episodic. Well, that's how I, I, how I remember it. It's an episodic. No, no, that's a yeah. very good, like, as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, like an episode. Huh. Yeah. Um, there's procedural memory, which is uh, for skills and habits. Um, it's the ability to do something over and over again. The, it's exactly its name, guys. That's procedural memory. Episodic is what it is. Procedural is what it is. Ugh. The things you do every day, all the time. We use procedural memory for things like riding a bike and driving a car. There you go. It's for... Tie your shoes. Yeah. Your skills and habits that you have to do a lot. There's semantic memory which is the storing of knowledge uh, gained over your whole lifetime. So it's like, it's that whole big life book, learning that a red stove means hot. Don't touch it. Oh, yes. Red burners mean hot. Yeah. This also includes remembering, like, your word meanings. It's also a place that you keep spelling and pronunciation. So, like we said, these are all different types of memory. And you can't just say that, you know, I have a bad memory when you can have one bad area of memory. Like, you can have a horrible episodic memory. You know, you cannot remember the things that you did last weekend in good, well, in well enough detail, you know. But you could have a really wonderful or amazing procedural memory and... You just never make mistakes that way. You have to start defining what is the issue. And a lot of these memory issues is not with your short-term or your long-term memory. It's with something called your working memory, which is very specific. Mm -hmm. Working memory is a system of interlinked components. It's basically the go-between between short-term memory and long-term memory. It's the ability to hold short-term memory while retrieving relevant information from your long-term memory filing cabinet. Working memory is what's needed to go past straight memorization and to do something with the information that we're taking in Mm -hmm. and using. So examples of this is the ability to listen to, remember, and follow directions that contain multiple steps. Remembering questions long enough to think about it and formulate an answer. Carrying out steps in a recipe when you're no longer reading that recipe, being like remember every step. And engaging in mental arithmetic things, which is kind of like where we see working memory have an issue with dyscalculia a bit mm-hmm. like word problems yeah well we will get into that a little bit more in a second okay. oh, yeah. um the average adult can only remember about five to six steps at a time and then a person with a weak working memory like somebody with dyslexia is on average remembering about four to five instead of five to six and to finish out uh defining working memory a little bit more one thing to keep in mind is that if you're doing a procedural thing and you're using your working memory and yes. you 
I call it buffering. I start buffering, or I feel like I am a computer that has a ton of lag. If that starts happening to you and you lose the sequence that you're doing, because it happens to me all the time with um, with remembering multiple things at once, I have to keep a, a, a list in front of me to do it. I can't just, you know, free ball it. I won't remember it. Mm-hmm. As soon as you forget the procedure in your working memory, it's not... It's not in your long-term memory, and it's not in your short-term memory. It's nowhere. Your working memory doesn't keep it. So as soon as it's gone, it's gone. Uh, It's something to keep in mind when we talk about um, how to help it in the classroom. Because you can't just say, you've done this, or you remember this, because no, I don't. You know? No, literally, I, I, I don't. I don't. You literally don't. So it's just something to remember. Your working memory, as soon as it's gone, it's gone. You know? Okay. So let's have a... A little talk about characteristics of a weak working memory. Individuals with poor working memory tend to have a hard time making plans and organizing things. Um, Doing everyday tasks like running errands can be difficult because they have to make a mental to-do list. It can even bleed into having difficulties in organizing um, studying in school and stuff like that. Just... Well, that's actually because uh, your working memory, when it's working properly, is able to like horse with blinders and keep you focused on what you're supposed to be doing. And if you have a weak working memory, it's uh, it's not as strong at that. So you're able to get off of task and forgetful easier, you know? Yeah. Any of us, even people with strong working memories, can at times express or show signs of a weak working memory. It's easy. Become stressed out. Get overtired get anxious your working memory starts to suffer i know mine definitely gets worse when i'm stressed or anxious signs of a weak working memory in the classroom we know that obviously weak working memory does impact the ability to learn um at least off the bat you know and these are a couple of these signs that you could be looking for if you're trying to see if someone does have a weak working memory. Uh, so having having trouble with tasks that have more than one step. A lot of times in school, you'll see somebody with a weak working memory always having to ask what they're supposed to be doing next or not remembering the things that was just told to them of like, and now we're going to stand up and go over here and do this and that. So there's that. Lack skills in obviously planning and organizing. We talked about that earlier. Having difficulty applying what they've learned in previous lessons to the new situation that they're in. It's very common. Having trouble thinking and doing something at the same time if it's new. People that also have weak working memories naturally will show lower self-esteem and it's because they don't understand why they're not remembering things. And if you're able to catch somebody with a weak working memory and figure out, hey, maybe this person's neurodiverse and they need a different way of learning this, a multi-sensory way mm-hmm. of learning this that helps with this, that's going to help with the whole low self-esteem. I mean, coming from somebody who um, I know I have a poor working memory and being flustered definitely makes it makes it worse. But there is a constant feeling of doing something wrong because you do have a tendency to make, you know, mistakes a lot more. Small mistakes, but still, you know, organizing mistakes, whatever. And it can feel very... You would expect more of yourself, funnily enough. And it's it's frustrating to you as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people also with a weak working memory mm-hmm. uh, will appear as highly distractible or inattentive, but not impulsive or hyperactive. Squirrel! Uh, I think it actually is more of the harebrainedness that happens. Okay, so not squirrel. 
Yes. Yeah. Point at me. No. Yeah. The daydreaming, the saying the wrong thing because I didn't hear everything properly. Yeah. Um, and then I'll leave you with this with the working memory is that people with a weak working memory have a little bit more issues with the social interaction thing again. And it's because you're having a hard time keeping up with the conversation because you're forgetting some things that are happening as they're happening, even though it's like not that you're forgetting. It's that you can't hold the short term conversation in and then be all like, oh, we're talking about this random thing that I read once in like eighth grade. Okay, give me a second while I go to like the filing cabinet in the back depths of my brain. I'll be back in 20 minutes. That's not how it works, you know? (laughs) Yeah, by the time you find the file, everyone's moved on to another part of the conversation and you're like... And you're like, I like living in my head. This is fun. I'll just stay here. But that's... So uh, I I keep saying this, right, with working memory and things like that or um, with my ADHD and recently getting on medication. This helps Mm -hmm. me so much. The medication makes it so that I'm able to do that faster. I'm able to keep the short term and go and get the long term and bring it into the conversation. Helps so much. Okay. Awesome. The impacts of weak working memory and reading and math or just in general for school, these impacts that you're going to be seeing, it shows us a lot of like why, why dyslexics have an issue with phonological learning and producing, um, you know, rhyming sounds and things like that. You are trying to keep your, your short-term memory in your mind and get the long-term that says that, you know, uh, like if you ask the kids to rhyme fox and you give them other words as well, like truck, dog, and box. So I had to remember fox... And I have to remember all of those other things as well in sequence to see which one matches up. And if you're not trained at it and you're younger, you have a harder time keeping that sequence and remembering what's happening and what's coming next and what you're supposed to be looking for. That's also really prevalent with math issues and, and questions there. It's holding the sequence. It's remembering. So I timed this by that and then I put this over there and now I don't remember what step I'm on and it's gone. What? Well, it- sometimes feels like especially with the um the rhyming words if you're given four different words then you have to combine them in those like five like different ways it's just it's like I just feel like I'm doing all this different matching by the time I'm done with my matching I haven't even figured it out and everyone else has figured it out I'm like yeah and then it it does uh you know cause a little bit of panic and anxiety because you're like I why am I not working as fast as I feel like I should be working because mm-hmm. and it goes the yeah. same thing in the math where I'm like I'm pulling I'm pulling I'm pulling I'm pulling I'm pulling as fast as I can and it's just not I'm not pulling the right information I'm like I know it's there I just can't find it just, it's really frustrating yeah tis a tis okay so what are some helpful approaches to having a poor working memory a poor working memory isn't something that you have to you know relegate yourself to and say that I'm gonna go live on this island and I just have me and my bad memory and a couple coconuts, you know, it's, <laughs> you have the ability to work around it, work with it, and also work on it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this right before we started recording. There's different things that we feel like throughout our childhood we were put into or did that we able, were able to equate to other things in our life and use to remember sequencing, to remember what we're doing, to know how to uh, move forward in something. So... It's just finding those approaches that work for you to help you get past it. I am a list maker. I have tons of lists everywhere, and they're random and half-made and all over my apartment. But every list is used for that moment in time, and it helps me get my day done, and I get things done with my lists. Which is good. It's good for you. I'm not as big of a list maker, but I am a... um, No, I guess I am a list maker. 
No, I am. If I don't have a list, man, I'm sitting there and feeling like, feeling like there's homework that I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know what homework it is. Well, also, like, you know? I hate it when I sit there and then all of a sudden I realize, oh, shoot, there's this thing that I was supposed to do today I didn't do. So, like, I have... I have my schedule that I have on my my uh, tablet, yeah. so I can go in and just make sure, like, yeah, what needed to get done that day. Or also, I have a um, calendar that we write it on. Um, ooh, another thing good for your working memory that I use. Lists are great. Yeah. Alarms are good too. I hope you actually get up and especially do it. Especially when, well, especially when it's something that I know is going to be like a week or two away. Mm-hmm. I might not remember it on that day. Even if I write it on my calendar, I might not remember it that day. So I always put it in my phone to go off around breakfast time so that I'm reminded that day. Otherwise, yeah, I've missed appointments. Yeah. And stuff. Um, so if we wanted to like, equate this to general dyslexia and like how to help that, we know that having a weak working memory is going to contribute to, po- to poor decoding and encoding of words. So it's using those multi-sensory learning applications to bring in the information from more than one stimuli. And by doing that, you're actually able to remember it better. It's like, it helps anybody to do it that way, to have more than one way of learning something. That is the first and foremost thing that any dyslexic program is about is multi-sensory learning applications for this exact issue of the working memory. I know for me, um, Cal... uh calisthenics hands doing it myself doing it myself with kinesthetic learning kinesthetic learning doing it myself whatever it is that's one of the best ways for me to learn because my body muscle memory muscle memory is just one of the best things Mm -hmm. for me turning it into that exactly um other helpful approaches like we said earlier are going to be things like no matter how many times you have to repeat something just repeat it for the person I mean, if they want the information, that's that's the important part. The important yeah. part is they want to know. We had a lot of issues with uh, teachers that didn't understand dyslexia to a point, not wanting to repeat something because they thought that it was like lazy if they kept repeating it to us. Like, well, why didn't you hear it the like, first we're time? We're not remembering, mm-hmm. but it's actually because I can't physically remember it, and that's why you have to repeat it to me. Uh, same thing with we had teachers not want to write things on the whiteboard for us. Um, even though we're dyslexic, right? So, like, how are we going to read it? But I could pick out a word here or there to know, like, if we have seven steps that we have to do and they write all seven on the whiteboard, I at least can follow along enough to know where I'm supposed to be doing next. So, it's a really big thing. It's something that the school that I went to did a ton. Everything that needed to be remembered for that class or that day was on the whiteboard. Well, the other thing, I mean, I think it's kind of the same thing you're talking about, PowerPoint presentations. I had teachers who were like, no, I don't want to give you the PowerPoint presentation. You need to sit down and write vigorously like everybody else. Like, that's going to help me retain the information. Writing down words I can't read. Um, Which, <laughs> I know we've talked about this before. I do think that's so funny about not wanting to give out your, uh, your PowerPoints or your notes. And I guess it's because people... I get it. They make the test off of it. But any online class, the notes and PowerPoints are up there. And I don't see an online teacher saying, no, you can't actually have these. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. That seems like an old school, old school before technology thing. Well, and it's that thought that writing is supposed to help reinforce the information in your head. If you're taking good notes, you're paying attention. Um, No. Not if you can't read them. Not if I'm, well, yes, not if I physically 
can't read them, and I'm spending more of my time writing down the squiggles, hoping that I'm getting it down right, than I am listening to the lecture in front of me, which is not helpful. Because that's, that's actually what happens to him, like, vigorously writing, like, don't, don't turn it, don't turn it yet, don't turn it yet, <gasps> yeah. damn! And then I missed everything the teacher was talking about, because I was, I was racing him, them. Yeah, so... Anyways, why we wanted to talk about uh, working memory is because it is so important to learning. It's essential to learning. And while while we don't yet have a way to uh, change working memory per se altogether, like there's not like this one stamp thing of like, this is how you fix working memory. And honestly, it's because everyone's different. There's not one stamp for anything. There's not one pill that works for anybody. There's not one treatment for anything that works across the board. So. Yeah. Let's get that out of the mind. But uh, there are many things that, you know, parents, teachers, and us as individuals now as adults can do to support ourselves and can do to to learn better strategies in life. So it's, it's all about making better strategies and it is telling somebody just to find, find the strategy themselves, I guess. It's... Impatience. Uh, Patience. I feel like, yeah... It's something that my school, when I finally did go to a school for the neurodiverse, really did focus on was teaching you strategies. And I felt like my public school just told me that I had to find my strategies. And it was basically up to me to find it or fail. And I would have failed because I didn't know how to, I don't know how to, as a child, learn how to memorize something, like a little 12-year-old or something. Like, I just... That's amazing to me. And then you go to the school that's trying to help you learn better and helping everybody with their horrible working memories. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, yeah, it's interesting to me, well, the differences. Coming from a, the differences, it is, it, it was very much, um, you need to figure out the strategy. Um, I can't hold your hand through this type talk. And honestly, all that does to a child is make them stop asking for help. Yeah, it doesn't make me work harder at all. It does. It just makes me, yeah. I will just sit there in silence then and not ask for help and also not be able to get better at it because every time I ask for help, I'm punished, I feel mm -hmm. like. Yeah, no, it feels like a punishment. It's a put down. It, you, and, yeah. It's your own fault for not remembering it, small child read. Patience. Yeah, it is about patience. Is 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 a lot of it because you have to teach neurodiversities and um, you know memory uh, short term memory problems. You have to teach a little bit slower. But once they you know once you know the catching on happens, the catching on happens. It's the repetitive. Catching on might be needs to be more repetitive than. Um, yeah. You have to teach in a more re more repetitive manner and a more um, yes. diversified manner. If that sounds. Like hilarious. It's the same information, yes. just in different facets. No, that's very true. So we've learned this three times, but we're learning it three different times forms in three different and ways. Repetitive ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is our episode for today. I hope that it was mildly educational. It is a weird one. Mm. Who knows? We might redo this one later uh, with more information because it is. It's such a deep topic that I am just, I feel like every topic I'm just like skating over and there's so much more to underneath it. It's like an iceberg. I completely agree. Like there's so, and there's so many things like I'm learning and I want to know more about. Like I feel like I'm just, yeah, I'm getting nibbles and I, I, I want to know more about them too. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe you're out there with a weak working memory like me and the Drew over there. Um, 
if you are, you know where to find us. We do a new episode every week on Thursdays. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it, scream it to the universe. <laughs> you know, it helps everybody around. Helps me, helps you. Does it help you? That helps me. Helps me, nonetheless. It doesn't hurt you. doesn't hurt you, yeah. Um, if you want another platform to find us on, you can head over to Instagram at melons.podcast on Instagram. Melons.podcast. It's on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Instagram. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Instagram. <laughs> uh, I'm over there posting stuff that goes along with our episodes and just some random tidbits and quotes here and there, depending on how much uh, energy I have for that day. So send us a message because that is where I will talk back to you at. Yes. We thank you guys once again for listening to us and being here with us. We are a community and we welcome you all and thank you. Thank you for being here. See you next week or hear you next week. You'll hear us next week. Yeah, you'll hear us next week. Okay, Melons, continue being different and continue being kind because who else is going to do it besides us?